Good morning. Good to see you guys here. Good to see you in the shade. I, I don't feel like I have to rush as much. You're saying, no, you do, you do, really. Do you guys get to see the freedom all over here? All right. We actually made the newspaper. Don't worry, I won't stand right in front of it. Yay. This morning's daily bulletin, we're on page three, so it's on the first page too. They didn't put us in the religious section, which I'm like, cool, you know. Not that I don't have anything against the religious section, but I kind of do. Um, but anyway, it's just neat, you know, when we had this idea, we submitted this idea for the wall about a month ago, and they didn't get back to us. And so I figured, okay, I guess it's not going to happen. And then I got an email Monday saying, yeah, they said go ahead. And I was like, oh, yay, oh, no, <laughs> you know, now we have to do it. And it was kind of a rush, but we got it up. And, you know, when I, they actually called me from the Daily Bulletin and they asked, why are you doing this? What's the purpose? And saying, you know, we want to, well, you can read the article. Uh, no, <laughs> basically saying we, we want to start a conversation with the community and for them to, recognize how important freedom is. Our freedoms really determine what we are going to be and who we are going to be as people and the choices that we make. And so it was an opportunity to get people to, to think about those things. Where should I stand? Is this a good place? That's good, okay. I gotta get my Bible, so if I squeal, it's not me. Oh, that's kinda cool. I might do that just for effect. When I'm getting serious, I'm just going to get to the low end. Luke. Uh, anyway, we've been going through the book of Ecclesiastes, and we've entitled it Under the Sun. And literally, it is under the sun for me right now. You guys are under the shade. But I thought, how fitting with this holiday weekend coming up. It seemed a, a good opportunity right where we're at in this book, you know, we have this opportunity to just have an extended weekend, you know, and we don't recognize that the time that we have, we, we only have so much that we actually invest in certain things. A third of our life is invested in sleep. We sleep about a third of our life, and some of us do it really well. You know, some of us have it mastered, and sleep is one of the things that I've got down. I, I can sleep really well. And then some of you are insomniacs, and you don't sleep as well. But about a third of our life is spent in sleeping. The next large chunk of our life is spent working. And so work is a very important part of our lives because it takes up a huge section of our life that we actually are aware of the other section is we're asleep. And so it has a huge importance. And what we do in that work area is going to affect the other areas of our life as well. And Solomon is dealing with this area of work in chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes. And if you have your Bible, you can open it up to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And if you're just joining us on this kind of journey through the book, Ecclesiastes is kind of a depressing book. I mean, Solomon is just talking about meaningless and, and things are just, you know, there's like everything is like chasing the wind. 
There's no purpose. And, and so we're going to look at what Solomon thinks of in the area of work. And in chapter 2, starting at verse 17, he says, So I hated life. Okay, now we get an idea of where we're going, okay? Does this remind anyone of their Monday mornings? Monday morning comes, so I hated life, you know? Or maybe it'll be Tuesday morning now after the holiday weekend. You wake up and it's like, oh, so I hated life. And you just have this, oh man, it's going back to work. And, you know, work has got this bad reputation. It, it just has this idea of work is something that's just bad. And all you can do is hope to get paid a lot for this work that you have to do. But it's work. Even the word sounds work. It's kind of kill, 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 work. You know, it's that kind of attitude. As opposed to play. You know, you almost smile after the end of play. Play. Work. I should go to the low end. Work. And so he has this attitude of work. And Solomon starts off and he says, So I hated life. And he tells us why. Because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. And when I read this, I thought, wait a second, you're the king. What's so grievous about being king? You probably, all the hard stuff, you have other people do. You know, I'm not thinking that Solomon was digging trenches to build things. He had other people doing that. You ever meet those kind of people who they talk about their job and they say, oh, work was so hard, you know, and they work in the, the butterfly arena at the zoo, you know, it's like, what's so hard about that? You watch butterflies Twitter, you know, it's like, oh, it was so grievous to me, you know, it was such stress. Yeah, this one was fluttering over here and that one was fluttering over there. I know what's going on with those butterflies. It's like, this is from Brian Regan, if you guys ever watch him. You know, okay, so you say, I know where you're getting that from. I have to give kudos to Brian. And, and so, you know, you think these people are just complaining about this, and they're working in the air-conditioned office. And I remember there was a period of time where I was working in construction, and I was doing fire sprinklers, and we were in Norco, and we were working at this egg farm. And so it just stunk because there's all these chickens laying eggs and, you know, they're breaking and it just smelled like rotten eggs. And it was in the summertime and it was hotter than it is today. And we were having to lay pipe on top of a tin roof. And it was just like, oh, gosh, just might as well kill me now. We had to put our tools in water because you could not pick them up. Even with gloves on, they would just burn. And my boots would start melting onto the tin roof if you you know, stayed there too long. And so we'd have to sit there and we'd work as long as we can. And then you'd have to go in and you'd have to cover yourself with water and you'd have to drink a gallon of water. And you still, even after drinking all that water, you didn't have to go to the bathroom because it just was being, anyway, it was just miserable. And then you go into the office, you know, where the guys are sitting and first you walk in and the air conditioner hits you and you're just like, oh man, this is wonderful in here. And they go, oh, man, it's been a miserable day. It's so hot out. And you just feel like slapping them. You know, what do you mean it's so hot out? You have, my boots are melting. Anyway, I haven't gotten over that bitterness yet, I guess. But some people, they just complain, and it's just like, this is, it's grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them 
to the one who comes after me. And Solomon had a problem with this. He mentions it again later. I do all this, I collect all this, and then I'm going to have to leave it for someone after me. And he did. Verse 19, it says, And who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool? Yet he will have control over all the work into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. And Solomon was the last king of Israel who had a united nation. After him, the nation split into the north and the south, and it was never the same. And again, then people just fought over it. They didn't have this kingdom or recognize this kingdom as a part of what God was doing as much as it was something that they fought to gain control over. And so Solomon was true that this was going to be the case. After I'm done, who knows what's going to happen? Verse 21, it says, or verse 20, it says, So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a man may do his work with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then he must leave all he owns to someone who has not worked for it. Just isn't right. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he has labors under the sun. All his days his work is pain and grief. Even at night his mind does not rest. This too is meaningless. Now this one really kind of struck home because have you ever been there where you're in bed and you're laying down and you're supposed to be sleeping but your mind just doesn't turn off? There's been times where I know Karina's saying, what's wrong? It's like, I didn't say anything. I, well, I could tell. It's like it's too loud in here, even though you haven't said anything. And you're thinking about all the things that you still need to do. And the day is just was too short, and I, I haven't gotten this done, I'm supposed to do this. And you're torn in a thousand directions, and you just can't rest. It, it, it's meaningless. Verse 24 says, A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This, too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to the hand over the one who pleases God. So it sounds like he's going on the right direction, and he ends, this too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Thank you, Solomon. Okay, what, what a great encouraging time we have here. And, and you see, one of the things that we need to see is that Work has become this idea of a burden. In the garden, we know of the fall and that man was going to have to, under toil, just deal with the earth and the, the thorns and the things that the earth produced. But it doesn't mean that work was meant to be bad. In fact, before the fall, man was still to tend and care for the garden. So there was work even when things were perfect. So work itself is not something that is bad. It's something that actually is supposed to have purpose. It's supposed to have meaning. But what we have done is we have worked for money instead of working for meaning. In other words, we don't think of work as something that we would find meaning in. We think it's just something that we do to pay the bills. And we've probably got this attitude from the early stages when we first got that job. Who remembers their first job? You guys remember that first job? My first job was working in downtown LA at a leather clothing company. It was basically working in a sweatshop. I was working for a dollar an hour. That's how long ago it was. And it was under the table. 
And that was a lot of money back then. And you see, then I, I went on and I got paid over the table, and then I was making a whole dollar ninety an hour. I know you guys are thinking, what was that, the 1800s or what, you know? And when I got this job, I got this job because I wanted to get a car. And you get a car, you needed that money because you needed to put gas into the car. And now you're thinking, wow, $1.70, that wouldn't even buy, you know, half a, t a gallon. But gas was under a dollar back then. Yeah, it was like 30 cents, I think, something like that. And so you got the job to, to get the car, and then you had to fill the car with gas, and then you had to buy the insurance as well. And so you were working basically to get this stuff or to, to buy the things that you wanted, of clothing or musical instruments, whatever your thing was. You, you got the job so that you could get the stuff. And that set of mind or mindset has just kind of stayed with us where you just get the job to get the stuff, and then you just got more expensive stuff, so you need a job that could covered the cost of that more expensive stuff. And basically, you started working for money and thinking, this is why you have a job. It's just to get money and not recognizing that this huge part of your life's time is meant just to get money. And you see, that's where Solomon was struggling. I was going just to get this stuff. I was toiling. And then the stuff that I got, I was going to have to leave it to someone else after I was done with it. And you see, if you work for money, then a huge part of your life is going to be meaningless. Because we are to work for meaning and not just money. Now, that doesn't mean that you're to volunteer. It's not that you're to go on welfare. Working and getting compensated for that work is a good thing. But if you're just working for money then you're going to find that you are living a life that is meaningless. And what you'll do is you'll live for the weekend. You'll live for the vacation. I'll work 50 weeks out of the year just so I can have two weeks that I'm doing something that I don't hate. And that's not the way we should live. Or I'm, I'm going to work just for that weekend. In fact, I'm going to write songs about Friday, Friday, Friday. Whether you're... You're Rebecca Black or you're Katy Perry or you're both. You, you're going to write the song just about the weekend. And so five days I do what I don't like just so I can have two days that I do what I do like. And that's just not a healthy balance and it's not what we're supposed to do. You see, you're, you're not going to find meaning from your job. You have to bring meaning to your job. And this is something that I think a lot of people don't understand. They, they say, well, if I get that job, if I get that promotion, then I will have meaning. When I counsel people who are going to be getting married, premarital counseling, and I'm talking to them, they're always at this place in their life, well, as soon as I get this place in my life, as I get this promotion, as I get this position, then we'll have enough money to do this, this, and this. And this is going to make our life meaningful. And I always warn them, your job is not going to change your relationship that dramatically. You are still going to be who you are even when you get that other position. And your relationship will still have the same dynamics it has now even when that position changes. In fact, what happens many times when you get that position, you also have to put in more time. 
And so we find that even though this work is a huge section of our life, we will end up taking our work home, but seldom do we actually take our home to work. And I thought that my life would change when I got that promotion, but now I'm just working harder those five days. Yeah, I'm getting more money, but I'm still waiting for the weekend. I'm still waiting for the vacation. Oh, the vacations are nicer now. I get to go to nicer places. Oh, the cars I drive are nicer now, but I still do not live a life of meaning. My life is basically work to get the money, to get the stuff. And we find ourselves in this vicious cycle. You work to get, you work to get, and you find out that meaning is not a part of your life. And there is no amount of money that will buy meaning for our life. Solomon is the epitome of that. He had the position. You don't get higher than king. It doesn't matter what you do. The king is above you. And we've talked about how much he had, how he had chariot cities, how he had 700 wives, 300 concubines, how he had cities and he built things and he did vineyards, all the things that he did. It was never enough. And no amount of money, no amount of work is going to give your life meaning. What you need to recognize is that you bring meaning to what you do. And if you don't bring meaning into your work, you will live a life or a large part of it that is meaningless. And you guys know of people who work and bring meaning to their job. And it doesn't matter which profession it is. They could be a school teacher and they love their job and they bring meaning to that job. And there's another school teacher and it's meaningless. They hate their job. They're living for the weekend. It might be a doctor. It might be a lawyer. The same thing applies. You can be a greeter at Walmart and hate your job, or you can be one that brings meaning to that job and actually uses it for a purpose. And you see, by bringing meaning into your job, it means that you invest in something, something that is purposeful, something that has meaning, that you contribute to the society, you contribute to individuals, you contribute to people. And what you then do is find that your job actually has a purpose and it has a meaning. And you guys know that it's easy to do something that you love. If there's a project that you want to do, you will sweat and you will do what you have to to get it done because you want to. It's something that moves you. It's something that you're passionate about, something you enjoy. And you bring meaning to it, and it's easy. In fact, they found that Daniel Pink, he wrote a book called Drive, and he came to a similar conclusion as Oria and Ram Brofman have, in that money doesn't always produce better work. In fact, there are some times where money actually hinders creativity. And they found that if... You just give someone that carrot and say, here, work harder, work harder. They will many times work brainless. In other words, if it's just menial task, if it's something that I don't have to think about, yeah, then give me more money and I'll do it. But if you want someone to be creative and you throw money, I'll give you more money, what they do many times is it narrows their vision and they end up focusing on the money rather than on what they're supposed to do. They did a test at one of the schools where they told the teachers, if you get these results you will get this bonus at the end of the year. 
And what they found out is that the results were to get more kids in class and the attendance increased, but the education level went down. Their test scores went down. They increased their goal, but they missed the point because they started working for money instead of for a purpose. And if we work for meaning or money instead of meaning, the same thing will happen. We will get narrow vision and then we will find our lives living in this meaninglessness. And so what we need to try and do is bring meaning into the things that we do and recognize that the right job doesn't give meaning to your life. You have to give meaning to what you do. You have to bring meaning into your place of work or you will not find it. It's not that you have to work somewhere else. Now, it might be good for you to make a job change, but again, you will take who you are to whatever you do. The same thing happens in relationships. You will take whoever you are into whatever relationship you engage in. So guess what? Lonely people who date lonely people after they're together are still usually lonely people. Miserable people who date miserable people are miserable people together. You've just doubled the misery. It doesn't change your character. Some people want to move out of state, out of the country. I want to move somewhere else. Let's change of scenery. You take who you are with you wherever you go. And the same is true in our work. When I started dog training, I talked to a friend of mine who's a pastor, has a, a large church. And as I was talking to him saying, well, I'm going to be leaving this area of, of ministry work and I'm going to start dog training because I'm going to need to to make ends meet. And I remember him saying, really? You're going to go from serving God to training dogs? And it was almost like putting down the, the idea of, you know, you shouldn't be a dog trainer. You need to be, quote, a pastor. And I had this mindset in my mind just that, oh, gosh, if I'm training dogs, I'm doing menial tasks. I'm not doing anything of meaning. I need to do this to have a place of meaning, and especially ministry. And as time went on, I started recognizing that, you know what? Whatever I do, I can bring meaning into it. And I don't need to have, quote, this position to have a purpose. Everyone doesn't have to become pastors or to serve in ministry or go and be a missionary or to do something, you know, for the Peace Corps or whatever it is. That's not what gives meaning to your life. It's not the position. It's what you do. And as I started seeing things different, I started seeing opportunities in even dog training that opened up opportunities to bring meaning. I had this recent lesson that there was out in uh, Orange County, and this lady and her family, they're from Iran, and they had this little dog who was giving them problems, so I came in, did my dog training thing, you know, did the dog whisper thing, you know. Now, what is your problem, you know? Um, the dog, the dog is a problem. And as I worked with the dog, I only had two lessons with them, spent about four hours total with them. Second lesson, I come into the house, Sam, come sit down, we're having dinner, we're going to eat. I'm like part of the family. I've like become the savior as I've rescued this beast from them from this beast. And as I'm leaving 
my last lesson, I'm, well, the dog's doing great. They're so happy. They're thankful. I said, Sam, are you going to come back and visit us? Not usually. <laughs> but the food was really good. So if I'm in the area and you're, maybe we can work something out, you know? And I saw that, you know what? When I step into this role as a dog trainer, there is a purpose that I, I'm fulfilling in these people's lives. But why do people have pets? Well, usually it's companionship. It's providing something for them. And they're finding some kind of solace, some kind of peace, and, and just this interaction with this animal that's meaningful to them. And, and really what it is, it's fulfilling a portion of their life that God wants to fulfill even more. And so now I'm able to step into this place and they open the doors and they start talking. And I can't tell you how many times I've talked to parents about kids and the struggles that they're having with kids and some of the issues that they're dealing with life as a dog trainer. And you see, now I have something more than just training dogs. I'm, I'm bringing interaction and relationships with what I'm doing. And so now what I want to do is do something here in the city of Upland, I want to kind of start something with the parks maybe and do a class, a dog training thing, just so I can broaden my reach in the people who I talk to so more people will invite me to dinner <laughs> so that I have a job that is not just training dogs. I have a job that's investing in people and interacting with people that opens relationships with people. And so now I have meaning in dog training. And the same is true with whatever you do. You bring meaning into that job, whatever it is. And you need to make your life meaningful and take that into the place where you work. You need to recognize that if your job is meaningless, maybe it's you and not the job. Maybe it's your attitude and how you're bringing these things in. Solomon goes on further. In chapter 6, he talks about this. Verse 1, he says, I have seen another evil under the sun, and it weighs heavily on men. God gives a man wealth, possession, and honor, so that he lacks nothing his heart desires. But God does not enable him to enjoy it. And a stranger enjoys them instead. This is meaningless, a grievous evil. A man may have a hundred children and live many years, yet no matter how long he lives, he cannot enjoy his prosperity and does not receive proper burial. I say that a stillborn is better off than he. It comes without meaning. It departs in darkness, and in darkness its name is shrouded. Though it never saw the sun or never knew anything, it has more rest than does the man. Even if he lives a thousand years twice over but fails to enjoy his prosperity, do not all go to the same place? How depressing. To have so much and to have nothing. And you see, there is not enough money you will make that will bring your life meaning. If you do not have meaning in your life already, you will not find it in a job. And if you are looking for a job to fulfill your life, you are looking in the wrong place. And by the way, if you haven't connected the dots yet, Jesus is the one who gives our life meaning. Jesus said in John 10, verse 10, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. I've come that your life might have meaning 
And that meaning now you take with you, whatever you do for work. And I know that some of you are living lives and you're saying, this is miserable, but I have to do it because I have to pay the bills. I have to take care of these things. But like Solomon said in verse 17 of chapter 2, I hate life. Come Monday morning, I hate life. And you've got 40 hours or more a week that you just despise so that you can have a few hours that you can enjoy. And God doesn't want you to live like that. And you don't need to live like that. What you need to do is change who you are and bring meaning into your place of work. And it doesn't matter if you're a cashier at Target. It doesn't matter if you're a school teacher. It doesn't matter your vocation. If you invest in the right areas and in people, you can bring meaning to your life so that your life has a purpose. He gives meaning to us so that we can have life to the full. And this is something that we need to recognize and we want to recognize. Let's pray. Lord, I do ask that you would give us understanding that really what needs to change in so many places in our life is us. It's not our situation. And we want to change the situation. We want to make it more comfortable or we want to earn more money. And those things might not be wrong. But Lord, if we are looking to those things to bring us meaning, happiness, fulfillment, we will spend our life and waste it in vain, working for what does not last, buying what cannot satisfy. Lord, instead we should go to you and buy that bread, buy that drink that can fulfill us, that can satisfy us, to look to you for meaning and purpose and take that with us where we go. Lord, I do ask that you would help us to to see where we can invest in these areas and bring meaning into our work so that it is not a burden that we bear like Solomon, something that we say is just chasing the wind, all this stuff and what's it good for? Well, this stuff is just stuff. But Lord, you're able to bring life into the midst of where we are and the things that we do. Help us to change so that that can take place. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.